Hi, I'm Siggy, born and raised in St. Catharines, Ontario, and now living in the nation's capital of Ottawa. And I'm Jesse, born in Manila, Philippines, raised in Toronto, Canada, and schooled all over southwestern Ontario. You're listening to the Halo Halo podcast, a delicious mix of pop culture and the Filipino-Canadian life. Before we start our podcast, we'd like to acknowledge the lands we're podcasting on. I'm podcasting from the traditional lands of the Huron-Wendat, the Seneca, and most recently, the Mississaugas of the Credit River. And I'm podcasting from the traditional unceded territory of the Algonquin and Anishinaabeg people. On today's podcast, we analyze and dissect the Watchmen and then talk about Spanish colonialism afterwards. But before we do that, let's catch up, Sigs. What have you been up to? Well... What's funny is this is Sunday night. We're recording March 7th. So right before we were recording, I was watching the Harry Meghan Oprah interview. Yes, yes, yes. I think everyone was, right? Except for I maybe Michael and myself. <laughs> yeah, the Critic Choice Award. No one's watching. And the Good Girls premiere. They're watching it. And I only have like two observations before I actually talk about my big pop culture catch up. Right. Um, Oprah wasn't having any of that white privilege, number one. Mm. Number two, Harry admitted to watching The Crown and saying his father doesn't return his calls. You know that the Newsweek this week will be this interview. Yes, probably, right? (laughs) Big time. Oh, dear. And for monarchy, systemic racism and stuff like that, that was really brought up. But I shocked. And there's so many texts going on as you and I are recording from people. Right. My thoughts are. So it's crazy. But on to other and better type of pop culture, Kuya. I watched two great movies, one streaming on Netflix and one on Amazon Prime. Yes. One was Moxie uh-huh. on Netflix, which you'd quite enjoy, directed by Amy Poehler. It was sort of a way that Generation X and Generation Z sort of link up. It's a high schooler really standing up for the atrocities that are happening with like a double standard of men and women. Mm. And it's really, really good. And it, it was just a, a really throwback to being a Gen Xer and finding that connection <laughs> between high schoolers and right now. You'd be really intrigued. So it's Moxie on Netflix. That's the other thing I watched, and I cried laughing about it all last night, I watched Coming to America, the mm, sequel. Yes, yes, yes. We grew up with Coming <laughs> to America, the first one. The good one. And it, Kuya, it just rung all the bells. We will call Joanna Kirby to discuss it at length, but highly recommend Amazon Prime. Coming to America, Eddie Murphy, Arsenio Hall, and so many like okay. surprise guest stars and Easter eggs. Be- Before I tell you what I've been doing, I want to know just about, at least with Coming to America mm-hmm. 2, how was Leslie Jones in it? Seamless. She just <laughs> walked right in. Oh... That's so good to hear. But Kuya, like the Easter eggs is a plenty. And I don't even want to talk further about it. I really think that maybe we'll email Joanna Kirby because I'm dying to hear what she thinks. Um, Maybe you guys have to do a taste test. Maybe that's what you guys get. I'm thinking we need to pull her back in the spring for just a taste test because I would really love to hear her. uh, Oh, Joanna, please come. If you're listening, please come on board and do this taste test with Ziggy. So for those listeners that don't know, Joanna Kirby is in the Southern United States and she had actually guested earlier this year year and Mm -hmm. loves and when possible always tries to quote from coming to america whenever she can so i totally want to hear her take joanna that this is like an open invitation but i'll direct i'll dm you soon kuya what have you been doing pop culture wise i know on my notes i've got two things down here Mm -hmm. but i actually have a third one to talk about as well so the first is is that i've been revisiting superstore michael and i are very much a tv dinner family so (laughs) when we eat dinner (laughs) we sometimes watch the office we burn through the office we burn through friends this time we're Mm -hmm. burning through superstore and then i think afterwards i'll probably get into 
into community and parks and recs because I know that mm. you've told me all about them. And I've said, oh, could you enjoy that? So we've been doing that and it's been fun to reacquaint ourselves with all the characters in that TV show. But the other thing that I've been watching or just started to watch is The Discovery of Witches on the Sundance oh. channel. Yeah, I couldn't tell you the names of the actors. but they, Teresa Palmer yes, and Matthew Good. Right, Matthew Good. That's right. And so mm. it's the typical demon, witches, vampire saga and drama except this time they're with university professors as opposed to high school teenage students so it's like oh this is like your dreamy like alternate universe and it's dreamy alternate universe it's set in oxford and so it's just fun seeing these buildings clearly i'm in season one i know that they do a bit of an outlander time traveling in season two but Uh yes don't tell michael and audience please don't tell michael because he doesn't like it when those kind of things happen but i'm gonna prepare him for it so <laughs> yes, when you watch spoiler with Michael, alert. you have yes, Do not spoil it. yeah, don't spoil it for Michael. Although I think Michael is still just starting season three of our podcast, right? So I think he's a bit behind. It's all good. It's, it's all, all good. good. So <laughs> the other thing that I've been watching, and I've been watching it on YouTube because I haven't been able to find it through proper streaming channels, is All mm-hmm. Together Now, which is a singing competition in the UK, and they've got various brand extensions in different parts of the world, but it okay. is like professional singers. So not like singer-songwriter artists that you know on the Billboard Hot 100. They're Mm -hmm. like working singers. So people that sing for choirs or choir directors or music teachers or lounge singers. Like jingle writers or something? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And like wedding singers, like lounge Mm -hmm. crew singers and stuff like that. So what they do is they get up on stage and sing to a judging panel of a hundred people who also have singing backgrounds as well. So they're like gospel choir directors. And so they sing a song and then what they do is they stand up if they like them. And it is just incredible to watch people just stand up for others. And so the, the goal is to try to get everyone up on their feet and then make it to the finale. And it goes through successive rounds, but it's called All Together Now. And it is just incredible to watch, actually. How new is it, Kuya? I think it's been around for two or three years, but it has not ever made it to the United States. It's only available on the BBC. And it's also available, like, I think they've got a, an Australian version, a Dutch version. Mm-hmm. So they've got various European versions of this. The premise is really good. Sigs, you, it's you a great know, premise. It's a really great premise. So it's just working singers singing to other working singers. And then the best part are just the little interstitials. So the person will oh, get yeah? up, they'll start getting ready to sing, and they're waiting for their cue. And as they're waiting for their cue, cameras are spying on the 100 that's what they're called right. and as they're being spied upon you hear people singing saying oh they, they look really nervous the girl just has to breathe and she'll be <laughs> doing it right and it's just fascinating hearing them talk about the singer and what they think and then mm. they've had quite an incredible set of people kind of getting up there trying to get people motivated to be on their feet some people do it with dance songs some people do it with like love songs some people do it with like ballads and power ballads but there's always this one crescendo note. I swear, listeners, just type in all together now and just mm-hmm. watch one. And it's just actually, it gave me goosebumps because to just see people kind of standing up yeah. as they felt motivated by that singer in terms of getting them up on their feet and stuff like that. So check it out all together now. I'm going to probably Google it like tomorrow because I like the premise. I, I think that's really it's smart it up, and know? it's easy and it's a fun way to vote, if you will. And yeah. it's like you either like it or you don't like it. 
It has nothing to do with having to rank because it's the 100 at the end of the day that ends up getting to rank who keeps moving on to the next round of competitions. So is it just basically your percentage of 100 people will determine whether you go to the next round? That's right. And so I think they have anywhere between five and six singers. And so there's always the first one that comes out, they get a score. And then, you know, by the time you get three that are on stage, you know, by the time the fourth singer comes on, it's like, okay, they have to surpass the minimum. And that's when the drama begins at that point. I like it. You know, oh, That's that smart. YouTube and that algorithm, they know what I like. And so they pushed all together now. And now Michael and I have just been like trying to piece together different episodes, but it looks fun. And I can't wait to see it kind of come to America or, or to North America. Uh, yeah, so they can matter. go and ruin it and call it like, come on, get up or something. Yeah, like I know. That. They're probably going to call it coming in. <laughs> but it is called All Together Now. And I know Australia has a version as well. So mm. it is, it's fun. It's just working singers, people that you would mm. not normally see, but for whatever reason has a career at this particular level and maybe they want the career at that particular level but it's just fascinating to rated by their peers yeah rated by their peers i think i like that yeah 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 yeah. so check it out all together now you can find it on youtube for sure sigs today's topic we've both been told by various people we should be (laughs) watching this and this limited series has been out for a couple of years now 2019 2019 and it's 2021 and it was really interesting watching this through the eyes of the pandemic and Black Lives Matter movement happened last year as of 2020. So it seems almost timely, too, to be talking about it now as well. Mm -hmm. So what we're talking about, listeners, is The Watchmen. And just to kind of give you an idea of what The Watchmen is all about, and then I'm going to turn to you, Sigs, and you let me know what you thought of the entire series or what you've watched so far, is is that Mm -hmm. it's a piece of speculative history fiction where in one fell swoop, we find out that Robert Redford is president of the United States, that the Americans (laughs) have won the Vietnam War and become Mm -hmm. the 51st state, and supernatural incursions are common and random in this entire series and stuff like that, where you end up having the police and the watchmen themselves being allowed to mask themselves, you Mm -hmm. know, ironically enough. And it was just like, oh my God, we're like practically living this. We're all having to wear masks. And it's so interesting that they're needing to wear masks. So I don't know if there's anything more you want to add to that kind of description for our audience members that may not have seen this. It's a great description. The Robert Redford thing just sort of makes me laugh to start out. But like... Damon Lindelof, I never watched Lost nor The Leftovers. He knows how to spin a yarn where the show just starts off with a tragic part of American history, the Tulsa Race Massacre, Black Wall Street, which I'll let you explain a little bit. It's such... To start with that, and this was what, filmed in 2018, 2019? Yes, that's right. And then with the Black Lives Matter movement happening, it's so current. It's such a comment right now for this revisionist history to occur. I just, diving head first, it really feels like you're diving head first. Surprise, we're going to show you a very tragic tale at the beginning to start this whole story. You're trying to piece it together. I feel like I dove into a deep end of a pool and I'm trying to swim, get to the different parts of the pool. That's a really great description in terms of like how Damon Lindelof started this entire series off is is it just drops you into the deep end and then makes you figure it out on your own without necessarily spoon feeding you in terms of what happened. That's right. In terms of The Watchmen, again, it speculates on a particular question, which in this case is 
What might have happened if the Tulsa race massacres became a historical moment in American history as opposed to being a footnote in terms of our history today? And so a brief synopsis, and really I encourage listeners to just look this up on Wikipedia. There's tons and tons of entries on this. But basically there was a part of Tulsa, Oklahoma that was really booming with respect to black folk, Mm -hmm. you know, and they had called it Black Wall Street and a number of different other things too. But then there was a riot, I guess, is one way to talk about it, where there was mistaken identity. And again, you can look into this on Wikipedia, and we'll have the link in our show notes, where it ended up starting a race riot that had thousands and thousands of people die and hundreds and hundreds of black businesses burned. What is most interesting is is, is that it did end up becoming a footnote for American history books. Mm -hmm. But as this particular comic book series turned into a show has thought about is if it became a historical moment, um, what would, instead of a cover-up of one of the worst race riots and lynchings of the African-American community in the United States, you know, what would have happened instead? And so that's what it contemplates and thinks about and then portrays for the next seven, eight, nine episodes. I like when you said that term of it being a footnote. Mm. And it just plays out, right? And so even when you watch, they talk about Robert Redford like having reparations for those who are effective. And it's so science fiction-like because the, one of the main characters, Angela Barr, played by Regina King, goes in to test the blood of someone, one of the other characters, to see whether or not they're part of the family tree that should receive these reparations. And once they're identified, you know, the government is trying to pay them back in, in such a sense of like, okay, you suffered through this. Here's what you know, the government owes you because of that suffering. I found that so intriguing, like that little that little thing where she's going in, okay, I'm going to test the blood of this person. And yes, it's legitimized. You are from this family tree. We have d- done you wrong. We, we, you know, we need to assess that. It was so interesting and like gobsmacking as that one of the parts of the many plots that are spilled out within the Watchmen. You're trying to make heads or tails of like, okay, this is the main character. Okay, what are they dealing with? And the fact that you talked about like mass police officers being the ones in the masks as before, you know, superheroes were the ones in the masks, right? So I... It just brings so many questions up. I know we could do like 20 episodes of us talking about this at length, and I'm I'm trying to keep it very broad and short. I don't want to spoil it because I I really do think people should really watch this. Yeah, and it takes a bit of patience to be able to watch this too because I think Mm -hmm. I liked your analogy, Sigs, was like being dropped in the deep end and then like really being forced to kind of catch up with what the narrative is, right? Mm -hmm. You know, why is Robert Redford (laughs) the president of the United (laughs) States? Why is Vietnam now the 51st state? Uh, is reparations working? You know, what That's I found it, yeah. interesting was, yes, that they had this idea of uh, black folk from the Tulsa race massacre getting reparations, but did it actually help? you know, is the question that's right. that it was also asking, which I think is interesting because that's actually being asked today in terms oh, yeah. of, okay, so even if we confront racism and take it head on, there's still going to be inequity. So how do you make that inequity up? You know, do you do it through something like reparations? And how do you calculate what those reparations are? Right. And then how do you explain it to the people that are getting the reparations as well as having to dispense with the reparations? You know, like there were some snide <laughs> that, comments along the way there was, where it was, was like, really? oh, how's that? Yeah. Re- how are those reparation, you know, monies helping you out and stuff like that? And the comment that you're making is made by a student in school that Regina King's character is lecturing about having a bakery, and one of the kids mutters, "Red for rations," right? Like just to play. And I was like, 
he just hit on the nail on the head. And Regina King's son gets really mad and, like, tries to punch the kid to say, that's mm, not nice. Right. There's so many layers. And that's, like, maybe a five-minute clip That's within, just only like, a piece of it, episode. and we're not even giving anything away. But, oh, you no. know, my experience of it was I felt like I was on a trip with Hansel and Gretel and yeah. picking up breadcrumbs and trying to make sense of the plot and the themes. Now, Damon Lindelof is very known for that. If you've watched Lost or The Leftovers, it is very much trying to piece together the mystery along with the main players. But at least there, I felt like I was getting clues. Like I literally felt like I was just getting breadcrumb after breadcrumb. <laughs> I was like, what does this mean? You know what I mean? Like, I don't know if you had that experience and you felt confused I, along the way. Okay. They introduce characters like Angela Abar, Regina King's character, and Don Johnson, yes. um, his character, and Gene Smart, who are fantastic. And Looking Glass, played by Tim Blake Nelson, which is a fantastic character who, who confronts people. But there were these little clips of a Jeremy Irons character mm. at the end, which I was like, is this like made up? Like it's, it's he's playing to the, the rafters. And I'm like, I feel like I'm watching a different show at the last mm. five or ten minutes when his plot comes in, yes. which eventually starts rolling up going, oh, okay, I see where the links are. But yes. I was like, how does this play into it? And listen, Damon Lindelof is elegant. He's much more sophisticated than, listen, this is HBO, right? This ain't NBC. This is us. Right. I'm going to flash forward and give you some like package yes. deal. Yes. This is really making you think of those all those little breadcrumbs and how they work together, how the police are supposed to be the good guys masked up. But really, you realize they're linked to a very age-old racist clan. So I don't think yes. that's a bit of a spoiler. I think people will figure that out. But yes, yes, yes. It's so intriguing, Kuya. In the sense of like, you know, Umbrella Academy really embraced the the fantasy and the space speculation. Damon Lindoff plays it like, okay, we're in the future and stuff. Things look normal, but are they? You know, very intriguing. <laughs> yes. You know, in my description of how temporal supernatural incursions are yes. normal, <laughs> kind of like squid falling from the sky. That's yeah. normal, eh? People yeah. just accept that. And I just thought this is a very different future. Again, a speculative future, a speculative history taking of sorts. I thought it was really clever storytelling. Mm -hmm. Its approach became was purposely trying to make us confused so that our heads were spinning constantly. I always think that head spinning is important because it makes mm -hmm. us look back and forth. So like your head is spinning, you're looking back and forth, and you see things that you might not have normally seen in your peripheral vision. And hopefully it gives you a different perspective, a better perspective or a wider perspective. So it just made me think about some of those things that we've already raised around kind of like, do reparations actually do healing? Right. Does war actually solve problems? Does yeah. covering things up actually make things heal. There was just some amazing things that was, again, being brought into my peripheral vision, how memories never die. Like there were just moments where it was like, oh, that's a very interesting image that the creators of The Watchmen were doing. Mm -hmm. But I certainly felt that there were three specific things that I felt yep. were in my peripheral vision. One was memories mm -hmm. never die. The other, and I thought it was so profound, that wounds need air. You can't bandage them up. You can't put them behind a mask. You can't use masks to heal hurt. And I thought, oh, wounds need air. And then what we've been talking about all along here, reparations don't always lead to repair. And I thought that these were interesting things to kind of be considering and interesting things that the Watchman was getting us to understand and really think about. So I don't know if yeah. you had anything to add to, the, to that. 
Well, when I was just reading some reviews, I know Regina King was quoted in an article, I think it's by Vox, by Emily Vanderwerf. She said, Black Americans don't know a lot about our history. It was taken away from us. In our story, the Watchmen story, it's a metaphor for how we're disconnected from our own history. We don't even know how to get to it. It was taken away from us. We don't even know where to begin to find it. Mm. And it's just, when she said that, I'm like, yeah, that's the reason why she got hired and she really understands the story. And that's what it really sets up. It's very thought, it's evocative. It's it really is evocative. You know? It yeah. really is evocative and gets you to to kind of think about things. And I think that all speculative history series do that. Another speculative history series is The Man in the High Castle, which tries right. to answer the question, what would have happened if the Germans and Japanese had won World War II? Did you ever see that? The Man no, in the I High Castle? I remember you mentioning it to me because you said, hey, have you seen it? And I... If I'm not mistaken, I had an in-law that was the star as an extra in it. It was filmed in Vancouver, right? Mm, I can't remember if it was. Yeah, perhaps. Yeah, Yeah, Mm. same thing. Gets you to think about things in a very different way. And for me, this ended up becoming a really elegant piece of art while revealing Uh and discussing at the same time issues with respect to being BIPOC, racism, and really attempts at healing from such oppression. You know, and that even if what was proposed as possible ways of healing, it still wasn't perfect. Like these reparations weren't perfect in a lot of ways. All of this just got me thinking about this series and other types of speculative history series has got me speculating itself on Spanish colonialization. Mm-hmm. Sigs, what's really interesting is, is that March 2021 symbolizes the 500th anniversary of when the Spanish and Magellan arrived in the Philippines. Can you okay. believe that? 500? 500 years, right? Like, I mean, you know, before the Spanish arrived and, you know, when we think about colonialization and colonization in the Philippines, one of its primary influences is the Spanish. What if the Spanish arrived in 1551 or 1581 Uh is what I started to kind of think about in terms of Spanish colonialization. Just got me re-reviewing some of the notes I've ever taken over the years in terms of Spanish colonialization you know, and I think for those of our listeners that don't know anything about how the Spanish came to be in the Philippines, in the 1500s, there was lots of power struggles as Spain fought off other colonies for the area in Southeast Asia, which we now know as like Indonesia, Thailand, uh-huh. also the Philippines, of course. Now, what's really interesting is the boundaries of what is known as the Philippines had shifted to include and either taken places like Borneo and Cambodia. Ultimately, what we know today is the Philippines this is what was settled and then later taken over by American imperialists or the United States, you know, after them winning the Spanish-American War. But before kind of getting into that, also by the 1700s, Jesuit priests had brought together the, the archipelago or archipelago, depending where you, how you like to <laughs> announce it that we know today and combined almost, if not exclusively, 150 cultural wow. and regional groups. Yes. And mm-hmm. which are still alive to this day, which is really fascinating. The interesting thing to note about these different cultural groups is how remote some of these groups were from some of the seat of Spanish power in the Philippines. So the closer uh-huh. they were to Manila, you know, more likely taking on Spanish colonialism. That's right. But if not, they were in the mountainous provinces, they might not have been so influenced by Spanish colonialism. Now, what's really interesting, too, to think about is how these different groups have actually responded to Spanish colonizers. And so they would either try resisting and fighting them Mm -hmm. 
Or, interestingly enough, reinterpreted Spanish culture, which I think you see a lot of in and around the Tagalog regions of the Philippines or Manila, have done exactly that. Or sadly, the other responses become slaves Uh, to the Spanish as well. But what's fascinating too is, is, is that the most resistance can probably be found in the south parts of the Philippines. And that has to do, and at least a lot of scholars think this, is the establishment of Islam. Because Islam was actually in those regions dating back as far as apparently the late 1300s. Wow, I did not know that. Yeah, so I, that's an interesting part to all of this, that before the Philippines was cl- colonialized by the Spanish, mm-hmm. there were lots of traders from India, from from the Middle East, from China, from Japan. And those were all very peace-faring in the sense that p- people were trading. And some of those merchants, those Middle East Islam merchants, eventually ended up settling in those parts of the Philippines and bringing Islam to those particular regions. Now, as they were starting to develop over 200 years, if Magellan came later... Mm-hmm. You know, scholars believe that they may have discovered a unified archipelago under Islam. So what's oh. really interesting is, is, is that the Spanish coming when they did, we also know that what also colonized the Philippines were these Jesuits or the Catholic missionary work. Uh-huh. And we're very much a deep Catholic country. Like we're the only Catholic country or the Christian country within most of Southeast Asia, if not Asia alone, right? And so if Magellan and then came later, they may have actually found more of a Muslim country and they might not have been as successful at being able to actually colonize the Philippines. And in fact, we might have been more known as the kingdom of the Philippines versus the Republic. And so I don't know what you think about all of this, but this is kind of what I think in terms of speculation. If the Spanish came 50 years later, instead of in March of 1521, they came in March of 1571, we could have actually been more like a sultanate state instead. And what that means, folks, is is that we might have had a culture very similar to what looks like Indonesian and Malaysian culture, which is very different than the Iberian Indies-influenced thinking that we have today that permeates the Philippines altogether because of Spanish colonialization. We just changed the whole, like, almost genetic makeup of of what I've known and how we're characterized by our culture. I find it very intriguing it's so intriguing. If that didn't happen, it would totally be very different. And like, for all you know, our names would not be our names. We wouldn't have portmanteau names no. like links. There would be no last name that which yours is very Spanish sounding. There right. would be, you know what I mean? It's yep. crazy. Yep, 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 yep. You know, and then like our food would be different. Oh, Our totally. food would totally be different. We wouldn't have some of that Spanish influence. We wouldn't probably have all of these kind of Spanish-sounding desserts. Language, yeah. Our language may have been different or may have been influenced by Islam a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. Our thinking would be different in some ways. Yeah. And like the expression, our expression of being Filipino may have actually looked, again, more like Malaysian or Indonesian culture. And so... And I think that's really fascinating. It's like, and we would have been more in line with what we see in the rest of Southeast Asia as opposed to being, again, very much the Pearl of the Orient, as we like to to call ourselves (laughs) and stuff like that. It is interesting to just kind of speculate and think about, hmm, if the Spanish had come later, we might be totally different. 
albeit maybe influenced in different ways, we would have taken in Muslim culture and probably Islam and taken it in a little bit differently and expressed it a little bit differently. Mm -hmm. But I always think that that's really fascinating. And we might not have that kind of everything goes mentality in the Philippines, you know, as opposed to being very orderly. If you go to some of these other, yeah, very regimented. No manana habits. No manana habits and stuff like that. And we'd be praying to Allah like five times a day. So that'd be very different, right? Be very different in terms of how that all would look. What else do you think about that in terms of just kind no, of No, I just, I would a- never think or whatever that our whole history would be rewritten that way. And it's funny. Remember I shared like a Filipino children's book and you're talking about three kids in the Philippines mm. and one of them was Muslim. Yes, I remember that book. Remember that? And I was like, yeah. oh, I, I haven't seen this before. And then yes. I remember you when we were looking through the book, you're like, well, actually, Siggy, you know, in parts of the culture or whatever, there is like a Muslim presence. We don't hear that much, right? And I'm like, mm. colonialism? You're like, that's right. Because, yes. you know, from Spain, I just thought it was an interesting thing. And then after like I was looking at the book, I'm like, well, we're not a monolith, clearly. Like you had said so many times yeah. before, we're yeah. many different colors. So I just, it's such a trigger. You're like, it would be certainly different. Certainly different. And I guess if we look to the southern parts of the Philippines, that might actually be more the predominant culture as, a, yeah. as opposed to anything else. Mm-hmm. Just interesting to kind of speculate, like, what would have happened if the Spanish came just 50 years later? They would have found a much more cohesive culture bounded around Islam and essentially becoming a Muslim culture and taking in influences of being very much like a Datu Sultanate type of culture. And that just kind of blows my mind that an event like that can forever change things. And we'll never know unless like there is indeed a way to kind of jump between multiverses. Well, hey, you know what then? Like the man in the, what is it? The man in the high castle? Why don't you make like Kuya, like Kuya in like the Nipa hut and like <laughs> just totally rewrite the history, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, it would be the Datus, you know, instead of the chiefs. Oh, that's you right. Know? Yeah, it would yeah. be really interesting. Like it would be just really interesting to see what would have happened. Like someone's got to write a book on that because I just think it would be very fascinating yeah. to know that our culture could have been expressed so much more differently. Mm-hmm. I think as we kind of think about this and as we we move through the month of March, I hope our listeners just kind of, you know, think about kind of what has been the 500 year impact and continuing impact of Spanish colonialism. And I think more often than not, we think about kind of pushing back on colonialism and very much our podcast has talked about that, like challenging people about these colonial ideas and where do they come from and do they still serve us to this day and do they have a sense of inclusion or exclusion? But I have to say too that You know, when I was kind of re-reviewing some of the research for today's session or podcast, I think we can still learn from our ancestors as we move past this anniversary of Mm -hmm. Spanish colonial rule that instead of trying to repair or revert back to what we think our culture was or our culture, like other cultures around, is constantly growing and evolving, you know, and I think if we Uh talk to some anthropological colleagues of ours, they would say that, that culture is ever evolving and growing. And I think I remember Joanna on a previous episode just talking about that, you know, how if you go back to the Philippines now, you see more the product of American imperialism, where there's a focus on English, you know, you can see it invading the language in some ways. And so instead of saying magtrabajo, it's it's work, right? (laughs) It's like, what's work? What is that? (laughs) 
<laughs> and so, and I, I know we kind of laugh about it, but I'm sure back in the Philippines, it just makes a lot of sense. And that's mm-hmm. because of American imperialism or American colonialization. Today, there's much more of a global influence and pressures for our Philippinex communities to contend with. And it's important to still express what it means to be Filipinex as opposed mm-hmm. to struggling to maintain an identity. And so I would think to myself that the fixing needs to be instead... It may just be better to do what our ancestors had done when the Spanish had arrived, which was to take in the global influence and interpret it along our cultural values and call it our own. Uh Which really reminds me of a quote by Walt Whitman, which I'll try to recite here. You know, in his famous poetry book, Leaves of Grass, which is, do not take things at first or second hand or fade from the eyes of the dead or the specters of book but take things from all sides around you and filter it through yourself and then call it your own. And I think that Mm. to myself that that's kind of maybe what we need to do is, you know, take in whatever global pressures and influence, Mm -hmm. take, you know, whatever the, the remaining remnants of colonialism that might be, you know, filter it through, take the good parts you know, and leave everything else behind and call it your own. That's well put. That's what I think the the fixing needs to be as we kind of think and contemplate how Spanish colonialism has influenced Philippines over these last 500 years. Any things to add before you take this No, very well put. Take time to think about it and and find the good. I agree with you. Great. So take us out, Sick. All right. We love email. We want to hear what you think. Did you watch The Watchmen? What are your thoughts on Spanish colonialism? Email us at holoholopopculture at gmail.com. Holoholo Podcast is available on all podcast platforms. Rate us, leave a review. You can find us on social media. Our Twitter handle is at holoholopop. And we're on Instagram at holoholopopculture. Finally, we receive editorial feedback from Mary Beth Badian. Our musical theme is by Chelter Ringen. We'll see all of you guys again real soon. See you guys soon.